0: This is VLX number 110, They Abode Together. We are in Matthew chapter 17, verses 21 to 22. VLX stands for Video Lectio Divina, the only patristic Bible study and Ignatian prayer series online. God give you his peace. and nomine pace, sefiri, spiritu, santi. Amen. God, O oh Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service of your praise and divine majesty. And when they abode together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. And they were troubled exceedingly. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, so it's good to be with you again. You may have noticed some technological problems on my end. We have had several problems, one of them being that my hosting service is experiencing a widespread outage. That may affect my website and podcasts until resolved. We're going to try to keep powering through this and some other problems. Okay, let's recap Matthew 17. If you remember earlier, we had the Transfiguration. We went up Mount Tabor with Jesus and the other three for the Transfiguration in Matthew 17. And then in the next section, we had a discussion with Christ descending Mount Tabor, about who John the Baptist is. And then the last section, still Matthew 17, but our last VLX, this was that possessed boy getting thrown about by a demon, and Jesus kicks out that demon. Now today, this follows all those events, and there's only two verses, but I'd like to do a little bit of a a diversion on mental prayer, just based on that word abide. So what I'm going to do today is just give you a a bit of a tune-up about five random different things in mental prayer the first is i want to suggest some mental prayer books the first i suggested at the beginning of this vlx series but in case there's people still joining us one of the top ones maybe the number one one that i suggest is conversation with christ by Rohrbach. it's a pre-vatican ii carmelite book that is based on the fivefold fold imaginative way of saint Teresa of avila If you like the more dry way of study that should still lead to meditation, that's also called Lectio Divina. Dr. Tim Gray has a book out called Praying for Change. That gives you the five steps of St. Bruno for Lectio Divina again. And then we have a book from the friend of St. Teresa of Avila named St. Peter of Alcantara. That is A Golden Treatise of Mental Prayer. That's A Golden Treatise of Mental Prayer by St. Peter of Alcantara. And then what I mentioned last time was Ignatian Meditations by my friend, Father Jeffrey Jambone. You can find that at Romanitas Press. Now, today we hear the apostles that they abode together in Galilee. I'm going to use those two verses that didn't fit in too well earlier or later. I'm going to use this as its own section to, again, give you some really general ideas about mental prayer. And I hope this helps you tune up your game. First, we should ask this since this is a prayer series and we've actually never asked, what is prayer? Well, the Carmelite answer is this, elevatio mentis ad deum. Elevatio mentis ad deum. That is the elevation of the mind to God or lifting your mind to God. We'll hear later the words of St. Teresa of Avila that really is going to show us that this is lifting your heart to God. That's why I include the heart so much especially in the cataphatic way of prayer. You know, recently I saw Matt Walsh on, I think it was YouTube, joking about how many yoga people in the country will do a whole hour of meditation. And when he was talking about this, I thought, wow, how sad that these yoga people can find an hour for meditation every day. And for us Catholics, it's like pulling teeth to meditate on the gospel. But, you know, speaking of uh, yoga people, you may have heard them use the term centering prayer. Centering prayer is focusing on yourself in meditation, and it's bad. Why? Because, um, well, you know, the first step of Satanism is to worship yourself. That's that's just in the books. I'm not saying that everyone who does yoga, or even most of them, are Satanists by any means. I just mean that it is uh, the very first step of Satanism is to worship yourself. Later, of course, the recruitment uh, along these lines is to uh, worship Satan, but This is one reason I'm so hesitant for for centering prayer. It's obviously bad. But did you know that we Catholics are called to um, adore God in our own soul? We Catholics can go deep inside of ourselves to adore the Blessed Trinity in our own soul. Now, that might sound a little bit dangerous to you after I just ripped on centering prayer. So let's see what the saints have to say about this i'm going to quote you from this pre-vatican II carmelite book called divine intimacy and uh, father gabriel says the prayer of recollection the prayer of recollection consists in the realization of this great truth god is in me my soul is in his temple i recollect myself in the intimacy of this temple to adore him love him and unite myself to him O soul, most beautiful of all creatures, exclaims St. John of the Cross, that so greatly desireth to know the place where your beloved is in order to seek him and be united with him. It is a matter of great contentment and joy for you to see that he is so near you as to be within you. Rejoice and be glad in your inward recollection with him since you have him so near. There desire him, there adore him, And do not go to seek him outside of yourself. That was St. John of the Cross. Do not go to seek him outside of yourself. Notice how different that is from centering prayer. Centering prayer, you're just focused on yourself. Some people might say the universe or whatever. But uh, John of the Cross is saying you can adore Christ in your own soul. Father Gabriel continues, The soul who has the sense of the presence of God within it possesses one of the most efficacious means of making prayer. Do you believe, says St. Teresa of Jesus, As we said before, that's just a synonym for St. Teresa of Avila. Do you believe that it is of little importance for a soul who is easily distracted to understand this truth, that God is in it, and to know that in order to speak with its Heavenly Father and to enjoy his company, it does not have to go up to heaven or even to raise its voice. No matter how softly it speaks, he always hears it because he is so near. It does not need wings to go in search of him, it is enough to withdraw into solitude and to contemplate him in itself. That is the way by St. Teresa of Avila, number 28, and to contemplate Christ in itself, in the soul's own self. Father Lapide, or Father Gabriel continues, Although the prayer of recollection is the highest of the active forms of prayer, St. Teresa of Avila notices that we can obtain it for ourselves, quote, for this is not a supernatural state, a passive recollection which can only be produced by divine motion, but depends on our own volition, and by God's favor, we can enter into it of our own accord. St. John of the Cross continues, O Lord, you say to my soul, my kingdom is within you. It is very comforting to know that you never leave me, and that I cannot exist without you. What more do you want, O my soul, and what do you seek elsewhere, since you possess within yourself your wealth, your love, your peace, your plenitude, and your kingdom, that is, the beloved whom you desire and for whom you sigh. And then Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity says, "O my God, you are in me and I am in you. I have found my heaven on earth since heaven is you, O Lord, and you are in my soul. I can find you there always. Even when I do not feel your presence, you are there nevertheless, and I like to seek you there. Oh, may I never leave you alone. Again, that was Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Another thing I actually haven't spoken of too much is that both the Lexio means and the imaginative way of prayer should end with this conversation. And this conversation isn't just chatting with Jesus or Mary. It's actually a colloquy that is very intimate. This is what Father Gabriel says in Divine Intimacy about that. He says, Our colloquy now becomes silent, contemplative, according to the traditional idea of contemplation simplex intuitus veritatis, that is, a simple look which penetrates truth. But let us repeat, this is not a speculative look, but a look of love which keeps the soul in intimate contact with God in a real exchange of friendship with him. The more the soul contemplates God and the more it falls in love with him, the greater need it feels to concentrate its love in total generosity. The Lord, in turn, answers this seeking love of the soul He lets himself be found and felt by illuminating the soul with his light and drawing it more intensely to himself by his grace. So I know I call the Lexio Divina mode of prayer study a lot, and it is study. That is one of the first five steps according to St. Bruno. But you really should go past study because, as Father Gabriel said, let us repeat, this is not a speculative look, but a look of love which keeps the soul in intimate contact with God in a real exchange of friendship with him so we have to include the heart in even the apophatic way of prayer now what about if you do neither meditation or lexio divina let's say you can't do either of those we've never really talked about that uh, but divine intimacy and saint teresa of avila they do allow for people who can't meditate and just have to do spiritual reading and again why is spiritual reading different from lexio well spiritual reading you pretty much go right through perhaps slowly But you really don't have this um, slower period of um, meditation. So what if you can't meditate? I'm not just saying you can't get to contemplation, which we're going to talk about in a minute. What if you can't even meditate because your mind's going so fast? Well, there was even a couple people in the 16th century like that for St. Teresa of Avila that just had to do spiritual reading for their time. And it's sort of a uh, concession to weakness, but it's permitted. And so Divine Intimacy says, Hence we should read from time to time only what is necessary for conversing with God. It's talking about spiritual reading. As soon as we have read enough, and it may be only one sentence to arouse in us good thoughts and holy affections which will occupy our mind devoutly, we must stop reading and turn our attention directly to God. Meditating in his presence on the thoughts we have read, or savoring in silence the devotion they have awakened in our heart, or even speaking to him, the loving words inspired by the reading, end quote. So again, this is why I always suggest only a fraction of every chapter of the gospel. At, at maximum, like let's say you go um, to do your own meditation, you get bored with the Vlx series, and you want to go do your own stuff. Still, my suggestion is never do more than a half chapter on the gospel because otherwise it just turns into reading without the actual goal of meditation. How about the rosary? We've never talked about this. What if You just use this VLX series for study. And the advantage of mental prayer in the morning and then rosary in the afternoon is that mental prayer in the morning can fuel your rosaries in the afternoon. Mental prayer is like the gas in the engine. Maybe it's even more like the oil in the engine for the rest of the day's prayers. Um, St. Teresa of Avila wrote, if while I'm speaking with God, I have a clear realization that I'm doing so, and if this is more real to me than the words I'm uttering, then I am uniting mental prayer to vocal prayer. Now, why did I just read you that? Because what she's talking about is vocal prayer. When you're doing novenas or the Psalms in the Roman breviary or the rosary, the whole goal of that, it's, it's totally good to have vocal prayer. It's, it's awesome to have rosaries and novenas. But the goal of all that is to unite your words to your heart, to unite your heart to your words. How did Shakespeare put it? I think he said, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below. Words without thoughts, never to heaven go. Words without thoughts, never to heaven go. I think that's Shakespeare. But let me read you Teresa Babel again. She said, if while I'm speaking with God, I have a clear realization that I'm doing so, and if this is more real to me than the words I'm uttering, then I am uniting mental prayer to vocal prayer. So, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are snotty against vocal prayer, saying only shallow people do vocal prayer. That's not true. Teresa Avila loved vocal prayer, but she saw... Mental prayer is the fuel to that, that you had to have love behind the words. Um, And then Divine Intimacy says this, St. Teresa of Avila does not mean that we should disregard the care which is demanded by recitation and which is of great importance, especially in liturgical prayer like the divine office, but she does mean that the most important thing is to be always attentive to God. And that's something that St. John of the Cross talks a lot about is living all day with this loving attention to God. Again, it's good to pray all day verbally, but that can't replace our silent time and meditation in the morning. But if it lives off of that silent time in the morning, then either our loving attention to God or praying all day with vocal prayer is going to have merit and intimacy with God. In fact, that's how the Carmelites saw the the command of the gospel, Jesus and the gospel, as well as St. Paul, tell us to pray without ceasing, And the Carmelite way of that is to live in loving attention to God all day. St. Augustine said, We pray all day if we desire God all day. That's just paraphrased that we pray all day if we desire God all day. Or we can do what the Eastern Fathers did, and many of the Eastern churches still do, is that they pray under their breath all day, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But again, even that, even the Eastern Christians who pray that a couple thousand times today, aren't probably going to get a ton of benefit if it's not spoken with the heart. How do you have that spoken with the heart? That's where you need mental prayer. That's where you need silent prayer to fuel that desire for God. Okay, another thing we haven't talked about too much is that both the cataphatic way of prayer and the ap- apophatic way of prayer, both of these, both the imaginative way of prayer and the lexio versions, are technically supposed to be launching paths to contemplation. Did you know that? This whole series on meditation, it's really except for the study part, it's really supposed to be a launching pad to contemplation. Well, why in the world then I, why don't I talk about contemplation much? Well, there's two reasons. One, because only God can give it to you, not someone just giving you church father quotes on a podcast. And two, because you could easily deceive yourself into thinking that you've reached contemplation just because, I don't know, you have a bunch of good feelings one day in prayer. But barring those two, or I shouldn't say barring those two, aware of those two things I want to tell you how divine intimacy gets you ready for finding if you're ready to move from meditation to contemplation. Again, you can't give it to yourself, so it's it's a little bit futile to share this with you. But I do want to show you some of the symptoms of the interior life to know when God's going to start calling you to the higher way of prayer, which is contemplation. But even then, he expects you to start every day with meditation. That's, another, that's a third reason I'm always hesitant to share it is, Um, If we just sit down and think we're going to be just wrapped into ecstasy and contemplation every time, we're never going to do meditation where all the saints say every day you should start with meditation. And if at some point God gives you contemplation, whether that's that day or in 30 years, you still start every day with meditation. So this is why I'm hesitant to share it. But because contemplation is the goal, not meditation, I do want to tell you um, some of the signs that the Carmelites say when God's going to move you from meditation to contemplation. And it says, The first sign is this, quoting John of the Cross, The soul finds no pleasure or consolation in the things of God. It also fails to find pleasure in anything created. Father Gabriel continues, This loss of delight in the things of God may occur too when aridity is caused by the soul's own faults. But then it looks for human satisfactions, whereas in the former case, although it no longer experiences the joy of being with God, It does not return to creatures, but rather remains firm in its decision to keep its heart detached from them. So basically what it's saying is, when God's ready to move you to the next stage of prayer, you don't really like meditation, but how do you know if that's just not sin in your life or laziness? Well, the key is that not only is meditation not pleasing you, but then like attachment to any other creatures, whether that's coffee and bonbons or chatting with friends all the time, those aren't going to be attractive either. Now, that could just be depression, too, and that's where we have to look at a few other things. It says, In meditation, the soul went to God through intellectual effort, an excellent method, but one that is necessarily limited and inadequate in bringing us to know God, who, being infinite, infinitely exceeds the capacity of our mind. According to St. John of the Cross, this road is the way of initial contemplation, which consists in the soul's beginning to know God no longer through the intellect alone, but by means of the experience of love. This experience will not give the soul any new ideas about God, but it will give the sense of his greatness. So notice the, um, the saints say we do have to start with these intellectual methods. That's why I'm, I'm doing this series. But ultimately, we should hope that God brings us from just kind of using our brains on this series to um, this experience of love. Where again, this experience will not give the soul any new ideas about God, but it will give the sense of his greatness. Father Gabriel continues on this threshold between meditation and contemplation. He says, it infuses into the soul the sense of the divinity and fills it more and more with love for this God whose infinite lovableness it now perceives by intuition. These advantages are so precious that in order to obtain them, the soul not only ought to accept courageously the aridity which God sends, but also should recognize in it one of the greatest benefits he can bestow. So those are just a few things to tighten up your prayer right there. And as I said, we've been having some technical problems on my end, so I'm sorry for that. Hope to become more consistent. So we're just going to end with this. Just to recap Matthew 17, remember we had the transfiguration. Then we had the discussion descending Mount Tabor about who John the Baptist was. Then we had that possessed boy getting thrown about by a demon. And then Jesus kicks out that demon and frees the boy. And then today we just heard these two verses, which I thought was a good interlude on prayer in general. And when they abode together in Galilee, Jesus said to them, "The Son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again." And they were troubled exceedingly. And then finally, next week, we will see the last verses of Matthew 17 that takes this very unusual turn about the temple tax. Many Christians debated secular taxes, which we'll talk about. This is where Jesus tells Peter, Go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. This is one of those sections where we could all guess a thousand things and where we really need the church fathers to tell us what is going on. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please rate this podcast. Be honest, but know that anything less than five stars probably won't promote us to other listeners. Same with YouTube if you can. Give us a like or subscribe. God bless you. Thanks for listening. And pray for spiritual protection against all this technological attack. I know we're all under a lot of attack. A lot of great families I'm talking to going through some of the greatest trials of their life. Uh, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me and say an hour, Father, for me. At benedictio de omnipotentis, Pachi Sifiti et Santi, Sancti, super Supervos et Mani Semper. Amen.